0: It's Monday afternoon at the Gordy House Sports Complex in Saskatoon. A dozen or so high school athletes from the Going Yard Baseball Training Centre are at the batting cages. They swing so fast that if you blink, you might miss it. When they leave the cages, these players will have more than a sweaty jersey. They'll also take home a report sharing the nitty-gritty on their swings, catches and throwing times. I'm Sean Stanley, and this is Industry Interrupted. Using only a coach's intuition to decide who to throw on the ice, field, or court is a thing of the past. Now, statisticians, data software, and analytics have created a whole new playing field in professional and amateur sports. We'll find out how, but first, a word from our sponsor.
1: You work hard to get ahead, so why not make the most out of your hard-earned money? Stay ahead with Fidelity Investments. Go to fidelity.ca slash stayahead for the latest trends affecting your financial well-being.
2: Um, As a catcher, I really focus on my pop time and my catch-to-release time. So these are numbers I can put on my fielding part of SkillShark, and this really helps me to train, and I can see my goal of getting a lower and lower pop time every week.
0: Pop time refers to the number of seconds it takes for the baseball to get from a catcher's glove to second base. For 16-year-old Ethan Murdoch, it means everything. Digital reports have saved his instructor Marshall Dean a lot of paperwork and helped him refine his coaching methods. Oh, it
2: just clears up so much space. It's really a fill-in-the-blank type situation where we used to have to guess on what part of our swing we were working on. We were working on the whole instead of the specifics and we had in the past the different parts of our swings that we need to improve, not just from coach's mouth, but right on the piece of paper in front of you, you can see specifically what you need to work on.
0: The stats Marshall and his athletes receive come from SkillShark. It's one of the handful of Canadian analytics companies shaking up the world of sports. These companies crunch numbers faster than ever before and help teams develop game-winning strategies. Neil Anderson is the founder. He got the idea for SkillShark five
1: years ago when he started coaching a teen softball program in Saskatoon. Kids were not getting any feedback as to what they need to work on or what they do well. And from the organizer's point of view, they have to spend countless hours doing data entry into spreadsheets, which is very, very mind-numbing and time-consuming. And lastly, for the parents, the parents are spending thousands of dollars for their kids to be involved in these minor sport programs, and very rarely do they ever get any feedback as to why the kid never made the top team. They just get told, have a good season, and that's it.
0: Neil was an engineer by day. He knew there must be a better way for teams to work with data.
1: A typical scout, and again, this doesn't matter if you're talking football, baseball, hockey, a typical scout, more times than not, will go to the arena or the field write down all of their information on a clipboard, and then go back to their hotel room and transcribe it all onto a computer once again. Whereas with Skillshark they can just do it all on their phone, and the second the game is over, they're done. They just, the, the information's sent up to whoever they're serving it up to. So what kind of
0: information would be input, and how would it
1: be input? So really, measurements can be separated into two different areas. There's the subjective measurements, how well... An evaluator thinks a kid uh, is doing a certain action. And then there's the other side, the objective measurements, you know, concrete things like pitch velocities, throwing velocities, running times to do the 60 or 100-yard dash, that kind of stuff, vertical height, those kind of concrete measurements. SkillShark is fully customizable to allow you to measure anything you want in the system. We have 20 sport templates in our system that cover Many sports, including also additional things like coaching evaluations or official evaluations, referees, umpires, that kind of thing. Neil's software costs about $3 US per player
0: per year. It's being used by thousands of youth sports organizations across the globe. But software like his is also sliding into the big leagues. Most NHL, NBA, and MLB teams use software to analyze data.
2: There's obviously some teams in the NHL that have been quite public um, about how they're doing things. But I would think that at this point, most teams have adopted some form
0: of use of kind of this extra layer of information. That's Matt Prefontaine. He's a video coach for the Winnipeg Jets.
2: Blake Wheeler, Rick, Wiley, scores.
0: Most people think he's one of the guys who records video for the team, but he's more of a tech wizard. He uses software to break down the structure of a hockey game. This gives players and coaches data to inform strategy, scouting, and their ultimate goal, nabbing the Stanley Cup.
2: We have a really high percentage of players that watch video on their own every game um, where they go back and watch their shifts, and uh, they want to see that and they want feedback on it. I've been in the NHL for six seasons, so I just know from stories of of years ago um, where players and coaches communicated on a much more limited basis, and it definitely wasn't driven by the players. I think now a lot more of it is the players are looking to get information from the coaches. And some of the guys have an understanding of the analytics side, and I think you're seeing more guys
0: get in tune with that. Matt takes what he learns from the software to Jets head coach Paul Maurice. They often use that information strategically on the ice. Because of the information we get, there
2: are some adjustments that we can make in game. And I think one of those, and I can use an example really early on, was when I started from the Jets. This is probably 2015. We were playing the Colorado Avalanche. And um, I think it was probably game five or six of the season. And I noticed that when they got the puck off of a four check, so when we dumped the puck on one of those zone entries, Um, Their defensemen like to reverse the puck a lot. So we we talked about that in our pregame meeting, and we ended up scoring, uh, I believe it was a game-winning goal.
0: For as long as sports have been played, coaches have been tracking their teams and players. Some used index cards and calculators. Others filled up spreadsheets. But most people agree that baseball popularized a new rush of interest in data. In the 1980s, objective data became common locker room talk when baseball analyst Bill James started writing about it. He called the data Sabermetrics. The name was a nod to the Society for American Baseball Research. Sabermetrics had such a big impact on the game that it got Hollywood's attention. You've likely heard of a little Oscar-nominated movie called Moneyball. Your goal shouldn't be to buy players. Your goal should be to buy wins. It stars Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. Pitt plays Oakland Athletics general manager Billy Bean. Hill plays a statistician who worked for Bean. Back in 2002, the A's were cash-strapped. They started making deals based on a hunch that players who could get on base more often were more valuable and more affordable than some big stars. In this scene, Pitt's character Billy makes the case to a group of scouts.
2: Jason's little brother, Jeremy. uh, Billy, that's trouble. Uh,
0: Billy, look, if if I... Yeah, Billy, if I may... uh, he certainly has had his problems off the field. and We know that what he can't do on the field.
1: He get uh, a little thick around the waist. Oh, you
3: know, and his reports about him on the weed and the strip clubs.
4: Well, his on base percentage is all we're looking at now. And Jeremy gets on base an awful lot for a guy who only costs two hundred eighty five thousand. Jeez, Billy. Number
0: two,
2: David Justice. Oh no, Ooh, Billy,
0: not a good sense. idea. Using that strategy, the A's started beating other teams like the Yankees, who could afford to spend three times more on players' salaries. The A's new approach got them all the way to the playoffs. The Boston Red Sox copied the A's strategy and won the World Series in 2004. People like Matt Prefontaine at the Winnipeg Jets still think about it because Moneyball had an impact on how many teams now use data.
2: Again, goes back to baseballs and. Unreal sport for analytics, and I'm—I know, you know—going back to you know the idea of Moneyball when that became very publicly popular. It's such a great one-on-one battle kind of sport where you can really identify things on on a level like that, so you can be much more granular with your predictions on how events are going to unfold. Um, right now in hockey, I think we have better ideas about things, but there is a lot of um, randomness to the game, just inherent with. How the puck travels along the ice, or um, guys skating and falling and stuff like that.
0: The Jets get an assist from Sport Logic in Montreal. Its software uses artificial intelligence to analyze video of the players. Coming up, we'll find out which billionaire celebrity helped fund Sport Logic. First, a word from our sponsor.
1: This podcast was made possible through the support of Fidelity Investments. All over the world, Fidelity Investments is looking for inspired investment opportunities to help you make the most of your hard-earned money. Stay ahead with Fidelity Investments. Go to fidelity.ca slash for valuable investment tools and their latest insights.
0: Before any of these fancy data programs existed, the staff from pro sports teams would analyze game footage. Based on what they saw, they'd make a bunch of decisions, including how to move players around to improve the team's performance. Now, many of these teams use SportLogic, a program that uses artificial intelligence to make sense of what's happening in the video. The software generates a ton of data, much more than a human being could ever gather from watching the same plays. Coaches can then use the information to make strategic decisions. Since being founded in 2015, SportLogic has raised $30 million from investors, including Mark Cuban. On top of being a star on the TV show Shark Tank, Cuban is the owner of the Dallas Mavericks basketball team. Three years ago, he told Bloomberg his team went from being obsessed with Fitbits to combining data with mind power. The real upside in analytics from a sports perspective, how do you train the brain, how do you analyze the brain, how do you deal with issues that aren't obvious? Because you can have all the physical talent in the world, we can put you you know, in better shape than a $6 million man, but if your brain's not where it should be, if your mindset isn't right, none of that matters. Mark Cuban's investment in SportLogic was a boost for company founders Craig Bunton and Merson Javan. Bunton is a three-time Canadian figure skating champion and Javan has a PhD in computer vision and machine learning. They teamed up with Christopher Boucher to change the world of sports. Christopher spent years playing goalie in the Quebec Junior Hockey League, which sparked an interest in analytics.
4: What I did to start was I actually uh, used my first student loan to buy a VCR and start uh, recording hockey games. And from there I was actually just with cue cards Tracking each and every event, trying to build out a system from there. And I continued to kind of create new versions and new versions of this as we went along. Uh, then I started to work with, uh, with some teams uh, at the junior level. I was also a coach. I did some goalie clinics. Uh, from there, I started working with some NHL teams. And then I was writing about it while working with NHL teams. And that's at the point where Craig reached out uh, to me. And uh, we started to turn this into uh, SportLogic as it exists now. How's the data collected now? It's collected through computer vision, so we have a broadcast camera tracking system that actually is tracking the game. Uh, from there, we actually have people involved in the process as well who are actually determining what is right and what is wrong and making those corrections. We call the, we call those people the quality assurance portion. Uh, and from there, that's pushed into our database. And then from there, we have an interface that teams can log in and use to, to look at the data, get information, get their scanning reports, get all the information.
0: 30 of the 31 NHL teams use the software around trade deadlines they pay extra close attention to the data generated by sport logic many teams are secretive about their analytics but christopher says most have privately told him sport logic has made a difference for example one nhl team wanted to figure out how to move the puck up the ice more quickly the team used data from sport logic to sort out which player they should acquire to improve their offense
4: so our data was able to provide them all those layers that would that would determine that uh, whether or not they they were doing that who what which teams are doing it if those teams that are doing it are doing it well, and if doing it well actually leads to success. All those boxes were checked. So from there, what they determined was they wanted to do uh, focus their player acquisition in terms of their, their, their defensemen they were, gonna, they were going to be looking at uh, on July 1st based on uh, those defensemen's ability to create pace off of those regroups. And so they went out and they signed those defensemen. And the next year, there was a, a dramatic increase in their controlled entries and their ability to create offense off the rush.
0: SportLogic says its stats are 99.5% accurate. But if most teams are using the software, does it really give them an edge? Christopher thinks so.
4: Teams have come at this in a different direction. There's teams who have just ingested all of the data, tried to create algorithms based on that, or trying to come up with something to determine what has value. And there's other teams who have gone a little bit different route where they've had that, but they've also had people who have invested time and energy into understanding what the data actually means.
0: Well, people often say the wisdom of a good scout can't be replaced by an algorithm, to your point. So what, if any, backlash did you experience or have you heard of in the industry?
4: There's still backlash, but it's really, honestly, it's fear-based. It's it's this perception that this technology and this system and this data is there to replace a scout, and it really isn't. It's just another tool for a scout to use. Um, you're always going to need scouts who can see certain things from certain players. And even beyond that, you also need scouts to determine players' personality, a player's background. Uh, Let's say if you're drafting a young player, their family situation, just their growth, where they are, maturity. You're going to need people who can do that regardless of what the data is telling you. So this really is just an added tool. So I think a lot of the backlash is based on that fear and not necessarily on, on the understanding that this just is another tool.
0: The Jets' video coach, Matt Prefontaine, agrees. Matt says the team's staff is open to working with data, and often players will ask him for individualized insights into their game. He says analytics is a valuable tool when combined with the human touch. Even myself, when I see
2: something with my eyes and maybe the data looks a little bit different, it makes me question why that would be and maybe further examine that, which is probably exactly what you want. Um, You want to look into those things, and sometimes it'll go, you know what, I After kind of looking at this deeper, I still feel this way about it. Or maybe the data sways your opinion on it.
0: Olympic coaches and athletes also use the latest technology to improve their times and hopefully increase the number of medals they bring home. In bobsleigh, slivers of a second mean everything. Kaylee Humphreys and Heather Moyes know that well. In 2014, they won a gold medal in bobsleigh for Canada. Listen to how close their race
3: was. Their start time, 600th of a second slower than the Americans. But Humphreys and Moyes were able to build a faster end sector
0: time than their USA competitors. It takes plenty of practice to learn how to shave away as much time on the track as possible. Andy Van Nudigem says data helps too. He's the director of performance sciences, research and innovation with Own the Podium a non-profit organization that helps Canadian Olympians earn more medals.
3: You know, typically when you see a bobsleigh go down a track, there's an optimal line that they want to follow. They want to have a really good start time, and then they want to follow a line down the track that is the best line that will be the quickest all the way down. So we can put sensors on a bobsleigh, and we can put sensors around a track. When I say sensors, they're able to detect where is that bobsleigh in that track. And so imagine two lines going down the track. We want to make sure that that bobsleigh stays as close to the best line down the track as possible. And when they're not, we can measure the difference.
0: Once athletes have made their way down the track, the number crunching begins. Even if they've posted the top time, there's still a lot the data can tell coaches and athletes.
3: So we would break down that data potentially into a number of errors. So on any bobsleigh track, there'll be straightaways and then there'll be curves. So we would look at how are they performing, how are they moving down the track on the straightaways, how are they How are they driving around the curves and when they go into a curve and when they come out of a curve? So all of these areas we can isolate and we can just provide uh, data to the athlete and say, okay, when you're in this particular part of this track, in this part of the world, it's a track in Salt Lake City or it's in Whistler, Canada, This is the optimal line, and you entered it too high or too low or too fast or too slow, and this is the line you took, and this is the line you should have taken. So what was the cause of this, or what did you do well, or what didn't you do well, and how can we improve that?
0: Bobsleigh is not the only sport Team Canada relies on data for. Own the Podium has been using it since the organization was created in 2010. From swimming, to skating, to soccer, Data is important to every athlete on the podium works with.
3: Well, I think you can turn it into an edge, no different than another coach would say, I can turn nutrition into an edge or physiology testing into an edge. I think there's a number of different ways and mechanisms that coaches are always trying to find the edge for their team or for their athlete. And part of the art and science of coaching and of high-performance sport is what tools need to be used at the right time in the right way. And I, I think that is where the brilliance lies, uh, and less so in just having uh, reams and reams of data and uh, the machine power to uh, to try to analyze it.
0: Andy has been involved with the National Wheelchair Rugby Team and the National Sledge Hockey Team. But when you ask him about the use of data in sports, soccer is the first one that comes to mind.
2: Edmund plays it back, a little dummy. Many
0: soccer players have a tiny GPS device embedded in the back of their jerseys, generating an incredible amount of information.
3: Data is sent in real time to a computer. That's being obviously there's a data scientist in the stands or on the on the bench, and that he he or she is able to feed that data into the coach right away and say X athlete has traveled so much, has given this much energy in terms of sprints this much mileage or kilometers have been covered. Uh, so they're allowed to give the coach a re- real-time data in terms of how much workload that athlete's engaging. And then the coach says, wow, that's getting high or that's too low. Maybe I need to make a substitution.
0: And would you say the data is more useful in a situation where there was a greater loss or is it sort of equal across the board?
3: I think it's equal across the board. And, and, you know, typically when there's a greater loss on the field of play, uh, we can benchmark that and say, well, here's where you lost it numerically and statistically. I think when there's a greater loss on the field of play, I think the coach is far more intuitive about what the problems were. And again, they could be so diverse and many of the factors uh, could come into play. That data probably wouldn't be the first thing that they would be looking at. There'd be a little more of a soul searching from a number of other tenuous areas such as team culture, spirit, things that may not always be objectively uh, marked uh, as a standard. So, again, performance has so many different components to it, and you can have everything data-driven and and, and all the strategies you think have been put into play, uh, you've closed the gap as much as you can, and then sometimes it's just sport.
0: still about the thrill of competition, but data has helped athletes make that competition ever more fierce. I think back to when I played high school basketball and my coaches made decisions based purely on performance. If you played well, you stayed in the game, poorly, and you were out. We had lots of team coaching, but very little input on how we could improve personally, if only we'd had access to the data. Thanks for listening to this episode of Industry Interrupted. I'm Sean Stanley. Industry Interrupted is produced by Tara Deschamps, Laura Wiguer, Anne Lang, and Stephanie Chan. Thank you to our sponsor, Fidelity Investments.